All right, good morning, everybody. Glad to see our beach bums back here with us today. Mary Morris is back here, and you picked a good day to come. It's all hands on deck after church. <laughs> so after after we get done with church this evening, we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have a little meal, and then um, we're gonna get to work. We're gonna crack the whip onions. We're gonna try to get ready because Bible school starts tomorrow night. And it's going to be good. Looking forward to it. So we got a lot of decorating to, and um, yeah, decorating, rearranging things like that to get done. It'll be a little bit more this year than in the years past uh, because we got to decorate for Christmas. <laughs> so we're going to have put some Christmas trees up and other things. So if you can, if you're able and can stick around and help out, that's fine. Nat, we don't need you hanging out and telling us what to do. Just your moral support's all we need. <laughs> you eat and go home. Uh, so if you if you can hang out with us, that'd be good. We got barbecue this evening and and the fixings to go with it. If you can hang out with us, all right. We're gonna be over in Matthew chapter nine. Matthew chapter nine, and it's gonna run through Friday. By the way, if I didn't say that, so we'll start tomorrow night and run through through Friday. So we're going to be looking at, at Matthew, just briefly looking at Matthew, but we're going to look at some things uh, that happened to Matthew that happened to us as well. And, and one of the things that happens to us is we're called. So as Christians, we're, we're called to do certain things. And we don't really, we don't rightly know how to, how to handle it when we're called. And I want you to look at Matthew for a second. And we hadn't studied Matthew yet, and that's... Uh, Study number seven. He was the seventh one called by Jesus, so we didn't even got there yet. That's what we're doing on Wednesday nights right now is we're looking at all, all 12 disciples and, and their, uh, their history. But anyway, so you look, at, you look at Matthew, and you look at the type of person that he is or was. He was a tax collector. So he's not your likely disciple. You would not think of a tax collector as a disciple because tax collectors were in the same bracket as sinners when it came to the way the Jews and the Pharisees, the way that they thought. So a tax collector was a sinner, and they, they didn't like him at all. So uh, Matthew probably, he was probably well off. He probably earned quite a bit of money. Keith was touched on it just a little bit. It was the most random thing you could have thought of today, and it's, it's, on, the, it's on the message today. So tax collectors could tax you for about anything. Caesar had to get his cut. But anything above that went back in the tax collector's pocket. The Jews knew that. That's why tax collectors were hated. And I think that's what blows our mind as Christians is why in the world would Jesus call a tax collector, the most hated person back in that day, why would Jesus want to use someone of that level, that caliber, to be a disciple, someone to, after Jesus has gone, to spread the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ around the world? Why Matthew? But it was Matthew that Jesus called. Now, because of who he was and what he'd done, he was despised, but he was despised by fellow Jews. So that would be like a Christian despising another Christian. We have the same beliefs. Jews had the same beliefs. Christians have the same beliefs. I can't, I'm not even going to try to come up with a, a, a type of job that a Christian would despise. I'm not even going to do that. I could say insurance salesman, couldn't I? But I'll be careful. Yeah. 
But there's people, and, and so they were, these Jews did not like, they did not like Matthew because of who he was and his job and what he'd done. But Jesus called him anyway. Jesus does the same thing in 2021 as he does or did back with Matthew and when he called the other 11. He called the people that we did not think of that could be used. Who could use a fisherman to spread the gospel? Jesus. Who could use a tax collector to spread the gospel? Jesus. Jesus could use anyone, and he can use any one of us today, no matter what your background is. I don't care if you're a teacher, you're retired, you work for the state, you work for the county, you work for the hospital, you work for communications. It don't matter who you work for or what you do. God can still use you, and he will still use you. He don't care about your past either. He does not care what you've done in your past. What he cares about, number one, are you saved? Have you put your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ? Are you saved? And once that happens, he will use anybody. What a testimony you can have. That murderer, that person that, that, that hurt someone or killed someone, he can still use them. They can still have their life changed. Yes, there's going to be hard feelings towards that person, but he can still be, or he or she can, either one, still be used by God. That person that's been a known thief their whole life, God can change their heart and can use them. That person that has that bad reputation, whatever it is, God can change their heart and can still use them. God changed Matthew in a way that still, we can't comprehend it because we're not used to that type of tax collector nowadays. We're used to paying taxes, but not the way that they had to pay taxes. But after Jesus called Matthew, I won't, we'll read it in a second, but I want you to think about what, how Matthew responded. But after Jesus called Matthew, what did they do? They had a shindig. They went to Matthew's house and they ate. They had a time of fellowship with one another. And it was with his friends. And it was with Jesus. So Matthew had one of the first things that he got an opportunity to do to be a witness was to bring his friends to Jesus. Think about it. That's what he did. He had a meal. He invited his friends. He invited Jesus. So he brought his friends to Jesus. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good witness right there, if you ask me. So this morning we're going to learn some valuable lessons about when God calls. When God called Matthew, there are some lessons there that we can learn. When God is dealing with your heart, if he is or when he does deal with your heart, there are some lessons that we need to understand about when he calls you. I don't know what he's going to call you to do. Every one of us has something we can do. But I want you to, to remember these lessons. If you've got your Bible open to Matthew 9, stand with me just a moment. Matthew 9, 9. And this is where Jesus calls Matthew, and it says, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew. And if you read over in Mark, they call him Levi. Said, sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. 
But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will back up here. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Father, this this morning, Lord, we thank you for this this calling that you've placed on all our hearts, whatever it may be. But Lord, I pray that each one of us uh, take it serious. And Lord, that each one of these callings that we have, each person, it all equals the same thing, and that's to be a witness to those that are lost, whether it's through a skill or a talent that you've given us, we're all to be a witness that are, to those that are around us. And I, I pray, God, that today we just take note from Matthew, the tax collector, of all the people on, on earth that you could have picked uh, to follow your son Jesus. It was a, one of the most despised men on earth. Lord, none of us here are at that level to be despised like that. But, Lord, we are all sinners saved by grace, and we're all able to heed that call and do exactly what you've called us to do. And I pray, Lord, that you just give us uh, some guidance and some wisdom today on how to answer and heed that call. And, Lord, we just want to lift up those today that are, that are sick that we know of and, and uh, those that are, that are dealing with grief right now and the loss of a loved one. just want to continue to uh, remember one of my dear friends, and her husband was, was killed a couple weeks ago now, and she's still struggling with that. And I just pray, Lord, that you give her some comfort and some answers. And, Lord, just give her a great peace about her. And, Lord, I just ask today that you would be with us as we prepare our hearts and we prepare this church uh, for Bible school this week. I pray, God, that you would just fill this church with uh, these lost children, not just children, but these lost children that need Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'd bring them in here and you'd prepare their hearts they'd so- and you'd soften their heart and make it tender, God, so that we can come in and minister to them and love on them in a way they've never experienced it before. And, Lord, I pray that by the end of the week, we would see those lost sinners saved by God's good grace. We love you and we thank you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. You can have a, have a seat. One of the things I like right here, the last part of verse 9, this, I won't even preach on this, but it just keeps just gnawing on me. The, the tail end of verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, follow me. And look at what Matthew done. And he arose and followed him. He didn't hesitate. That's just been eating on me all morning. He didn't hesitate. That calling, he didn't hesitate. I, I talk about this a lot, I know. And, and, and anybody that's been around a preacher that's been called before, it's one of those things that we've all had to deal with, is that calling that he puts on our heart to be a preacher. Most of the time, we don't answer right away. We don't do like Matthew. Again, it says, and he arose and followed him. As a, as a preacher, that's one of, the, one of the hardest things that it was for us to do was to answer him, to arise and follow him, and to do exactly what he's asked us to do. It's hard to do. And, and even with a Christian, sometimes when God uh, is working on your heart and he's, he's, he's convicting your heart because you're lost and you're bound for hell and you know it and you've got to get things right, sometimes whenever he speaks to you, one of the hardest things for you to do is arise and follow him. The hardest thing for a Christian to do before salvation is to arise out of that uh, pew and get things right with God. It's tough because we are so stuck on what we like, and what we like is in this world. We like the worldly things. We like the pleasures of this earth and this world, and we don't want to give that up. But he's telling us, arise and follow me. He's telling you, cast your nets on the other side and just follow me. 
That's all I'm asking. We can't do it. We can, but we don't want to. We don't want to follow him. We're, we're awful comfortable right now where we're at. And that following Jesus will put you outside your comfort zone. I'll tell you that. It makes you do things that you're not used to doing, like talk to people, like sing in church, maybe teach, get up on Sunday mornings and come to church. We don't, some people don't like to do that. They like, Sunday's my day of rest. Sunday's when I want to stay in. I want to sleep in as long as I can. I've worked all week. Put in, I put in a hard 40 hours this week. I remember my first part-time job, 40 hours. No, I'm thinking. We work our tails off. We need, we need Sunday to rest. Yeah, you need to rest in Jesus' arms on Sunday. You need to come into church and, and get rejuvenated on Sundays. That's what he's asking us to do. Follow me. Arise and follow me. First thing we'll look at this morning, we can overcome anything if we really want to follow Jesus. I promise you, that you can overcome anything in this world, any obstacle that is in front of you, you can overcome it with Jesus. Matthew did. He overcome it. Look at verse 9 one more time. He tells us, And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and he followed him. So here's Matthew, and he, he was sitting... He's at a toll booth. If that, if that helps you picture this any better, he was at a toll booth, and he was, he was taking in taxes for those going to Damascus in, in, in Egypt. And so he's sitting there at this toll booth, and he's taking in money. And Jesus, I love it, it says Jesus passed by. He just passed right on by. He came on through, and he found Matthew sitting in this toll booth, taking up money. And you got to know what was running through everybody's mind. Why would Jesus, these disciples here with him, why would Jesus, I guess the six of them were with him at the time, why would Jesus stop and talk to this man? Why would Jesus want to stop and talk to a tax collector? What is so special about this most hated man in the area? Why would he stop? Why would the Messiah, why would our leader, why would our rabbi stop and talk to Matthew? Because he could use him. He could use him in a great way. He's a wealthy man. Now, do you think Jesus stopped because Matthew had money and he might be able to support uh, the ministry? No. No, I don't believe that was it one bit. Jesus didn't want him for his money. Jesus wanted him because he knew there needed to be a change. Matthew knew in his heart there had to be a change. That's why we don't see anything but he arose and followed him. He He did not hesitate. Matthew didn't say, I've got to go back and I've got to cash in all, my, uh, all the money i got here. I, got, I need to go pay Caesar real fast and then uh, I'll follow you. He didn't say, I need to clean my booth up. I've got to fold up shop and get out of here. He said, the Bible says that he arose and he followed him. Did not hesitate one bit. He's a tax collector of all the people, a tax collector. Jesus says this about the rich man, Matthew 19 says, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. We know the rich young ruler couldn't give up his wealth to follow Jesus. Couldn't do it. And there's a lot of people in this world that will not give up their worldly possessions to follow Jesus. There are some really good people in this world. 
There are some great people in this world, great heart. They would give till they couldn't give no more to help someone out, but they're not willing to give it all up to follow Jesus. What a testimony that would be if they would. Gave up all their worldly possessions to follow Jesus. So why Matthew? Why in the world would Jesus pick Matthew? Because Matthew wanted a change in his life. Let me back up and say it this way. Matthew needed a change in his life. How many people in here have ever, ever felt like they was the most hated person in the world? You don't have to answer that. At some point in our life, we feel like we're not very well liked. We've said something, we've done something, and it's just really rubbed people the wrong way. I was talking to a preacher yesterday, and he said, that's how I feel right now. The most hated person in the world. The mo- that was Matthew. And Matthew said, in his heart, God, I need a change. I need a change. And I believe God orchestrated that route for Matthew, or for Jesus and the disciples. He orchestrated and put Jesus and those other six on the road to just pass right on by Matthew so that he could follow him, so he could follow Jesus. And he's willing to do it, whatever the price might be. A person who says, I want to be closer to God, but is unwilling to forgive someone, they're not willing to pay that price. I want to follow God, but I ain't going to forgive so-and-so. They're not willing to pay the price to follow God. You've got to clean your heart up. You've got to have a forgiving heart, a loving heart, and you've got to go to that person that has an art against you and say, I forgive you, and then follow God. That's what he wants. That's what he wants us to do. A person that says they want to be closer to God but can't go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites down there, they're not willing to pay the price. We've got to pay the price. We've got to forgive. We've got to forgive those that are inside the churches and then go on to church and be with God's people and then follow God. That's a tough one, I know. The Bible tells us we're, we're to love one another. The hardest com- that's the hardest commandment there is probably, to love one another. But he says you've got to love them, forgive them, and then follow me. When we stand before God, we don't have the excuse that it was too hard for us to follow him and we, and we just couldn't do it. We don't have that excuse. Do you know why we don't have that excuse? Because Matthew could do it. And if Matthew, one of the most hated men, could do it, we can do it. Because we're not on that level. We're not on Matthew's level. We're not despised like Matthew was. So we can do it. If Matthew could give up his worldly ties, then we can do it too. And, and I want you to remember this right here. I'll just throw this in. It'll be free. I won't charge you for this one. Salvation's free. It don't cost us anything. It was paid for on the cross. For by grace are you saved. That's what the Bible tells us. It's by faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a free gift. So don't feel like you're having to buy your way in to follow Jesus. These other six right before Matthew... They didn't have to pay a fine or a fee to follow Jesus. They just gave up their worldly possessions and followed him. That's what we can do too. Now, I'm not saying that, and God may lead you to do this, I don't know, but I'm not telling you that when he calls you that you need to sell your house and your car and move off and get to Africa as quickly as possible. God's going to use every one of us differently. He may call you in the mission field 
so be it. Do what where he leads you, or whatever he leads you to do, you do it. But he calls us differently, and when he calls us, there are going to be sacrifices that we have to make. And you're going to have to let go of your former image. Matthew did. I'm hated, I'm a tax collector. But you know what? <clears throat> I can be a help. I can be a disciple. I can be someone that God can use. Lord, use me. Like it says over in Isaiah, here I am, send me. Number two, you can tell a lot about your spiritual self by the people you hang out with. Look at verse 10 again. It says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Matthew has a shindig, and he invites his friends. He said, come on over. Ain't that what we do? Ain't that we, we ha- Something great happens in our life, and we want to have a time with our friends and our family. Something great happens here at the church. We, we want to have a time of fellowship, a meal, whatever it might be, but we want to have a time together to get together and to fellowship and talk about the great thing that's just taking place. We want to do I love doing that. But here's the thing. The friends that he invited over were sinners and tax collectors. Don't make a lot of sense, does it? Here he is following Jesus now, and he just brought in some riffraff that nobody else wants to hang around with. He brought in the sinners and the tax collectors. And again, tax collectors were on the same level as sinners in the eyes of the Jews. That term... Sinner refers to evil people as well as those who refuse to follow the Mosaic law uh, as interpreted by the scribes. That's the definition of those sinners. There were some pretty bad people in that bunch right there. It was used commonly for tax collectors, adulterers, robbers, and people like that. Tax collectors and adulterers. Tax collectors and murderers. Tax collectors and rioters. They were all in the same boat right there. To eat with a person was a sign of friendship, and Jesus extended that honor, and it was a great honor right here to those considered to be sinful people. It Back then, if you notice, they broke bread a lot because it was an honor. They wanted to. It was an honor for you to come into someone's house and sit down and have meat with them and to have bread with them and to drink the wine. And to have a time of fellowship, it was an honor. And Jesus was honored to be in the presence of tax collectors and sinners. He didn't say, Matthew, I ain't going in that place. I ain't going in your house. Look at who's in there. You see that bunch? I, th- I, th- I thought about me and Maria years ago when I started in the travel department. I'd started in October, and then remember in November, they sent me to be the guest speaker at some travel conference in Asheville. I'd been in my job one month, like I knew everything that was going to take place in the travel department. But what did we do? Remember that, that, that gala they have on that Friday night? We walked in, and they were lit. We walked out. I didn't want to be around that. She didn't want to be around that. That's not, that's not the type of people we want to be around. Jesus didn't say, you got some ugly friends. I ain't going to hang out with you. Jesus brought the other six in with him. And they sat down and they ate. Because Jesus is a friend of the sinner. That's, he's my friend. And so Jesus was going to sit down and he was going to talk to Matthew. And he's going to witness to Matthew. And then he was going to talk with the disciples. And those disciples were going to be a witness to everyone else that's inside that house. Because that's what we do as Christians. As followers of Jesus, we are a witness. And we're going to witness to those sinners. 
just like he did here. We tend to associate with people just like us. Ain't that who you want to be around? Do you want to be around people that are like you or people that ain't like you? Do you want to hang around people? Mike, you want to hang around people that drive Fords and rabbit hunt all the time? You're supposed to say, yeah. Well, you ain't got no friends anyway. (laughs) Your whole family on this side. It's all GM products. I want to hang around people that are of like mind. I want to hang around people that love Jesus and drive Chevys <laughs> and hunt or like the fire service. or thing. I like to hang around people that do things that I like to do. That's who we are. That's who Matthew is. Matthew invited people that he liked to be at his house to be with Jesus. Uh, Philippians 2, 1 and 2 says, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be, listen to this, ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. That's who I want to be around. I want to be around those people that are of like-mind. They're in one accord. That We are in harmony with one another we love the same way we fellowship the same way that's one of the things that we <laughs> we're talking about when i go to israel next week the group of preachers i'm taking i've tried to keep them like-minded but i ended up with two presbyterians and two non-denominationals i don't know how this is going to work they might get to meet jesus while we're over there i don't know <laughs> we want to hang around that type of people of like mind to be in one accord that's what we want that's what he wants. He didn't invite the people at the synagogue because synagogue people didn't want him to hang around. He was rejected. Matthew was rejected by his own people. The Jews did not want him to be around them. Do you think it broke his heart? I bet it did. You know why? It didn't affect just Matthew. It affected Matthew's family too. Those Jews rejected Matthew and his family. So the line of work that he was in affected had a ripple effect and so he was hated and his family was hated do you think he went to the synagogue and begged them to come to his house and meet with jesus absolutely not because that wasn't his people you don't hang around people that are not your people you stay away from them you're not of like mind history will tell you though he was an outcast and that should tell us that if we don't like to hang around with other christians we might have a problem If you don't like hanging around other Christians, you might have a problem. Now, I'll take it a little different direction just so y'all don't think I'm uh, I'm crazier than I already am. I like to be around Christians. But some Christians worship differently than the way that I worship. And I'm not going to be associated with them. I don't like to be associated with them. I don't don't like it. I don't believe in the the way that they worship. I don't believe in the, the lights and the smoke. And, and the big concert and the five-minute devotion after 45 minutes of singing. I don't believe in that. I'm going to love them best of my ability. But I, I don't condone the way that they worship. I'm going to love them, though. If you prefer to be with worldly friends and not your church family, it could be a problem. Think about it. Matthew opened his home 
so that sinners could meet Jesus. We need to open our doors, whether it be the church, your home, so that sinners can meet Jesus, however it may be. What, <laughs> what is Bible school? Bible school is a time for us to open the doors of the church so that these youngins, and maybe their parents, can meet Jesus. That's, that's all it's for. It's not a, it's not a, big, uh, it's not a big shindig. It's not for pomp and circumstance. It's not to, to glorify the church. It's not to glorify the name or anybody here. It is to open those doors and allow the children in this community to come to this church and meet Jesus. That's all we want to do is help them meet Jesus. That's, that's our heart. That's a Christian's heart. Not just, the, not just the youngins, but for everybody. That's our heart. Open our doors so they can meet Jesus. We've got a lot to do this week. Keep them doors open. Number three, people will say they're the spiritual ones, and you're not just to build themselves up at your expense. They're going to say that they're, they're religious, they're spiritual, and you're not just to try to prove a point. I'll explain this because I know it don't make a lot of sense right now, but I'll explain it to you. Verse 11, again it says, And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto the disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans? And sinners, with their question aimed at the disciples, they put down three different sets of people at one time. They put down the disciples. Right off the bat, they're, they're, they're running them down. You follow him. That's the way I look at it. You follow him, your master. They were probably smart alecks when they said this. You follow him. Now, the second person they put down here was Jesus. And the reason they're putting down Jesus right now is because they're, they're thinking in their minds, this man don't know who a sinner is. If he knew who was in this house right now, he wouldn't be here. If he knew what a ta tax collector was, he wouldn't be here. If he knew who these other people were, he wouldn't be here. So they're putting Jesus down because he, they think he doesn't know who a sinner is. Lo and behold, that's why he is there, because that's who he wants to be around is the sinners. And the third one is they put down the tax collectors because tax collectors were scum. They were the scum of the earth. They were despised, so they were the scum. So they were putting down the disciples, Jesus, and the tax collectors, all, all within verse 11 right there. Churches are full of those types of people. They are, believe it or not. Churches have people in them that want to run down other people. They'll say, I do this and I do that down at the church. Why can't somebody else step in and, and help out? They're putting down other people because they put themselves up on a podium. If you want to, uh, turn over to Luke chapter 18 real fast. Luke 18 verse 9. Luke 18 verse 9 says, and he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as the publican. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess in the publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, 
but smote upon his breast, saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to, the, to his house justified rather than the other, for every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Thank you, God, that I ain't a sinner. Thank you, God, that I, I don't believe this way. Thank you, God, that I don't act this way. Thank you, God, I'm not a liar. You just did. Thank you, God, that I have never committed not one uh, broke not one of the Ten Commandments. I have not committed any sins whatsoever. Wrong. When you start praying like that, thank you, God, I'm not like this. Thank you, God, that I'm not broke. Thank you, God, that I'm not hungry. When you start praying like that, you're, you're getting up there like this fellow here. We can't be like that. The Pharisee was so thankful for that he was not like the publican. Don't be a Pharisee. Don't be that, that, that person. Hateful, bitter towards everybody at all times. You find that same type of attitude in some marriages out there. I work all the time. I take care of the kids. I cook. I pay the bills. I work all the time. Why can't the other person do, do something in my marriage? You're kind of being like the publican there, ain't you? At work, we find that same attitude. I do twice as much as so-and-so. I, I do, I do, I do. You make it about yourself. It's about me. I do all this. Why can't someone else do something else? I do all the work. I carry all the load around here. Can't somebody else do something? Lighten my load? Too many people put themselves on a pedestal just to make others look bad. But what you don't understand is you're making yourself look worse. You're trying to make one person look bad, but you're making yourself look pretty, pretty bad yourself. Think about that. Be careful how you talk about others. Number four, Jesus can do what he desires in the heart of the person who knows that they are sick. He can do great things in your heart. Verse 12 says, But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. The Bible has a lot to say about the heart. The heart's a pretty important thing in our bodies, ain't it? If your heart ain't beating, then after a few short minutes, then your brain ain't functioning. That's what I tell people when I teach CPR. CPR is cardiopulmonary resuscitation, but it's more about the brain than it is the heart. We're trying to keep the brain alive, not the heart. We're trying to keep the brain, trying to keep that oxygenated blood flowing through the body. Save the brain till we can get them on life support or get her higher medicine, whatever it might be. But we're really working on the brain, but we've got to use the heart to make it happen. We've got to pump that heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Even Paul struggled with his heart, wanting to do the wrong thing, even when he wanted to do the right thing. That's over in Romans 7, 18. He says, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. We struggle. Our hearts struggle. We struggle to do the right thing. Often. We tend to veer more towards doing wrong because we're carnally minded and there's a lot of flesh in the way. 
and we want to, and there's a lot of pleasure. We feel, we feel good, even though it's the wrong thing to do, it's, it just it feels right to do it. I don't know if that makes sense. What does Preacher Ray always says? I can't remember what he says now. If it feels good, do it. That's the wrong attitude to have. I can't remember. It's been so long now since I've heard him say it. He has this saying that he uses, or used, if, if it feels good, do it. And that's the wrong attitude to have. We, we can't be like that. Our heart, the Bible tells us, Jeremiah just told us, that the heart, it's, a, uh, it's an evil thing. A heart can make you do and want to do some awful things in this world. So we've got to be careful with our hearts, and, and we've got to be careful with how we uh, respond to others. What kind of church do you think God can do the best work in? What kind? I there's all kinds of churches out there, but does he do the best work in the church that feels healed? Or does God do the best work in the church that feels hurt and broken? When your hearts are hurt and when your hearts are broken, that's where God does some great work. He loves the brokenhearted. And he can mend and he can do a great thing. God will do a great thing in a hurting church. And a lot of churches are hurting right now. I, I, I think I mentioned a couple times on Wednesday nights, there, there are several churches over our way now that, without a pastor. And they're, they're hurting bad. They're just, they're struggling. God will mend that broken heart. God will help that hurting church. That's where he wants to be. What are sinners? People that are hurting. That's where he wants to be, amongst them. Those people that are hurting, their hearts are hurting. He wants to help that hurting heart, that, the heavy, those with the heavy burden and the, the heavy hearts. He wants to help. He wants to be a help. Psalms 147.3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. So he wants to mend the hurting heart. Number five, if you have a choice of being gracious or religious, you better choose gracious. And we do have a choice. Look at verse 13 one more time. <clears throat> it says, But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus was always gracious. He will always be the most gracious person that we'll ever know. Psalms 145.8 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. You go back in the New Testament, you go back in the Gospels, and you look at Jesus. When you look at the lady that was, was caught in act of adultery, was he religious or gracious? He was gracious, because that's who he is. He's gracious. You go back and you look at, at, at the man that he healed that had the palsy. Was he gracious or religious? He was gracious. The woman at the well, gracious or religious? He was gracious. The woman, the adulteress, that, that wiped Jesus' feet with her hair, was he gracious or religious? He was gracious. That's who we're to imitate. That's who we're to be like. Christians, they had rather be religious than gracious. Religious feels better, don't it? Being gracious, it's harder to do. Being religious is easy to do. Being gracious, not so much. 
What have I always told y'all about religion? Where does it send you? Straight to hell. We can't be religious people. We've got to be gracious people. We need to have the relationship with Jesus, and by having a relationship with Jesus, then we become gracious people. You're going to want to be a gracious person because you're going to want to be like Jesus in all that you do. When you get into the world and, and you see these hurting people, these sinners in the world, you're going to want to let them end your life almost. I, I kind of hate to say it that way, but you're going you're gonna to want them to be a small part of your life so that you can be gracious and you can help them out. But you're going to see them every single day? Probably not. But you can be gracious and allow them into your life for a brief moment so that you can love on them and show them Jesus. You can, you can do that much. Our mentality as Christians is that someone has done us wrong, so let's just ignore, ignore them or let's just do them wrong. That's our mindset. Let's just do them wrong. They've hurt us. If we have a choice, and we do have a choice, we need to choose grace over religion. Be gracious, not religious. James one twenty six says, If any man among you seem to be religious, and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. So what about your life this morning? I'll ask you a couple questions, and we're going to close out. Your life this morning, how can it be characterized since Jesus came into your heart? Are you gracious or are you religious? What kind of person are you? Are there hindrances in your life that are keeping you from following God and being all that God wants you to be? I'd say every one of us could say amen on that right now. There are hindrances in all of our lives that are keeping us from being the person God's called us to be. It's because we cannot let go. We just can't let go of it. We love God this earthly worldly thing too much so we just can't let go we need to be letting go maybe you need to be more careful about the the people you hang out with i remember growing up in school be careful what friends you pick be careful who you hang around i didn't think much of it because everybody i hung around we drove trucks and coon hunted so you couldn't beat that bunch but now looking back i can see different groups of people in there that Praise the Lord, I didn't affiliate with. That could have led me down the wrong path. The same now with any of us. Most of us are older now, and we've already got our friends. And we're already established in those friendships, and we're probably not going to change. But there could be a chance. Maybe an old sinful lifestyle that you used to have, maybe that, that friend that you had back then, that maybe they're trying to draw you back into that style, that lifestyle. Stay away from that. Be careful who you who you hang out with, who your friends are. The ones that you're with now, they maybe they're dragging you down. So that's a pretty good indication right there that you need new friends. It's all right to cut them off. Don't answer that phone call. Don't answer that text message. Don't go to that party Friday night or Saturday night. Start finding you some new friends. It's a good place to find them right here at church, your church family. Maybe this morning you just need to confess to Jesus that you're, you're sick spiritually and that he needs to, to work on your heart. That's all right to do too because he says it right here. It says, but go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. 
but sinners to repentance. I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I need to repent. I need to ask for forgiveness. I believe every one of us could raise our hands right now because we're all sinners and we all need repentance. That's what he's wanting us to do. Repent. Ask God to clean your heart up. Just clean it up. Lord, I ain't repented in so long, I, I don't know what it's like. How about doing it today? How about saying, Lord, here's my heart, and here I am. Lord, clean me up and use me. We're going to do something this morning we ain't got to do in a long time, but we're going to do it. We're going to have a few minutes, and we're going to, we're going to have this altar open up, and we're just going to, I'm going to invite anybody and everybody that will just to come this morning and ask God to forgive you. How long has it been? I'm dead serious about that. How long has it been since you really got down and said, Lord, just forgive me? I can't think of a better place right now than in this church, in this moment, and at this altar to ask God to forgive you and do something with you. Cindy, I don't know if you, are you able to play? I, I picked a bad time. I'm sorry. Mike can wipe his own nose. Okay, Ethan. As, as she gets ready, anyone this morning, if you feel led just to pray, and I want to invite the church as well. Maybe this morning you feel like you got things right with God. You don't need to repent or anything like that. Maybe you just maybe you just feel like things are good between you and God. That's great. That's great. But I would like to ask you to do this, if you can and will. We don't know who's coming this week. But can I ask you to come and pray for this Bible school? For these children? God, you've been good to us. You've been good to this little church. Father, this morning as we come to you and we come to this altar, God, we ask for a great movement this week. God, we ask that you would touch those children that come in here. I don't care if there's two or 200. God, this week I pray that you'd have a movement in their hearts. We have children, we have families in this community that are hurting something fierce right now. First and foremost, they need your son, Jesus Christ, in their lives. 
They need Jesus in their homes. These parents need to, to repent and turn from their wicked ways. Allow Jesus into their heart. Get these children into church. Lord, I pray this week that we can be a light. Lord, I pray this church this week will be a help. We would show love. We would show grace. We would have, we would have a time of fellowship with these children and help lead them to salvation. Lord, I pray that you would plant those children inside these four walls this weekend, or this week, I'm sorry. Father, the ones that, they're sin sick. They've never felt love before. They've never had a moment where they felt just pure joy because of the struggles that they have inside their homes. Lord, I pray this week we can be a part of that joy that they feel. God, I pray that you would open up the floodgates for us this week. We're not doing this for nickels and noses. We're not doing this, God, to, to uh, promote the church or glorify the church. What we're doing this week is to open up the doors of this church to allow these sinners to come in, to accept you, and to glorify your name. That's all this is. We're glorifying your name this week. We're going to exalt you to the best of our ability. And Lord, we thank you for allowing us. It, last year was rough. We didn't get to do this. God, it hurt so bad. I pray this week that we make up for it. I pray this week that we just pour out our hearts to these children and be a help to them in their homes. And Lord, I thank you for this group that's here this morning. Pray, and I pray, Lord, that you would bless them mildly, bless this church mildly this week. Touch these families that are represented. And God, we thank you again for today. Thank you for the service today. And I pray, Lord, that each person here has got things right in their heart with you. They've repented this morning. And they're ready to, uh, to go full force. And I pray each one of us is crying out, send me. Send me. Lord, wherever it might be, just send me to be, to be a vessel, to be a, be a help to someone that's hurting. And Lord, we love you this morning, and we thank you again for this opportunity you've given us here at this altar to pray and to give thanks back to you for all that you've done. God, we love you. Be with us as we, we leave here. Father, I'll go ahead, and I'm going to bless this meal while we're here together. Lord, I just thank you for the hands that prepared it. Just uh, bless this meal to the nourishment of our bodies. And God, I do ask that you just bless our bodies to your service. I'll listen to your son's sweet, holy, and precious name we pray. Amen and amen. I was coming, I thought you, didn't think he's getting up. I was coming for Mary, not you. All right, y'all go ahead and dismiss if you want to, and we'll go on out here and, and eat and come back in after a while and put everything together.